Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge, and I'm here with my co-host, Danny Miller. It's been a interesting last couple days. There have been some unfortunate incidents, and I guess we could say that uh, things are not going exactly as planned. Um, what are you thinking, Danny? How are you feeling today? Here we are, spring training's rolling, and, uh, you know, the injury bug seems to be uh, biting us yet again. So uh, I, on the other hand, am uh, recovering well from surgery, 13 days in now, and uh, am starting to walk close to normal again. Uh, not quite pain-free, but, uh, you know, we're getting there. So Nice. Yay. Well, that's that's good to hear. Um, I did have a surgeon that was uh, part of the uh, White Sox uh one of the White Sox team physicians uh, during the the Herm Schneider era. So, you know, there's that. Maybe uh, maybe that has something to do with it. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, uh, they did some did some decent stuff. Uh, you know, kept guys healthy, and uh, they were one of the most healthy teams for I don't know what was it like eight nine years something like that. Yeah, if I might correctly? have been even longer. Yeah, they it were, might have been a decade. Really for, yeah, they were healthy for a long time. Yeah, so uh, for those of you who uh, are living under a rock, uh, against the Dodgers, uh, Andrew Vaughn was in right field, and regardless of the opinions that you hear uh, everywhere, uh, the highlights are out there. It proved that he is slow and that he is not uh, exactly... Uh, what I would call the most, I don't know, natural outfielder out there, uh, to uh, put it put it kindly, uh, as they now have him slated for right field, and uh, he made a diving catch and uh, has a hip pointer. Um, I was fearing the worst after seeing him get up. I was hoping that it wasn't something like a I don't know some sort of a hip flexor like Luis Robert had last year or heaven forbid a uh hip dislocation because if that happens um you're looking at months yeah yeah yeah, at least I mean if if it's a dislocated hip you could be looking at uh a career altering type of injury uh, fortunately, is just a bruised, uh, a bruised hip. And uh, uh, I want to interject here for just a moment too. I've been do. seeing a, been seeing a lot of that just a hip pointer thing out there. I see it in the chat right now. Uh, good evening, True Sayer. Thanks for uh, chiming in. Uh, I know that you know, considering what could have happened and what could have been the outcome, uh, just a hip pointer is probably a good thing, but. Let me say this as somebody who had a hip pointer at a young age as well, uh, you know, playing uh, grade school football, actually. I think it was it was either seventh or eighth grade year. I had a hip pointer and, uh, you know, that bruise is uh, is something fierce. You know, it, it covers the entire area of the hip and bleeds into the the buttocks and uh, down into the thigh. And I got to be honest with you, that pain lingers. You know, they say he's he's due back in a week or two is is the word right now 
Uh, that may be the case, but that's the kind of thing that can linger for months. So even if he's back, I don't think he's going to be 100% in a week or two. So just something to keep an eye on. But yes, it could have been much worse. Yeah, no, definitely could have been much worse. Um, yeah, the just a hip pointer thing is is more a, well, at least it wasn't a hip dislocation or a fracture or you right. know something along those lines because that would have been, uh, like I said, career altering type deal uh, where you're looking at like a, you know, not necessarily quite the um, delay on the start, uh, you know, or the continuation of a career like Jake Berger and his double Achilles injury. But uh, you could be looking at, you know, a good year where it's rehab and all sorts of other things that could be potentially bad things for his career, lack of mobility and uh, loss of uh, a first step. I mean, when your top speed is like five miles an hour, the lack of a first step is, that's a big deal. Um, Yeah, you know, uh, I've been seeing some people who, you know, and there's, there's a handful of them out there who seem to think that he was adequate in left field last year and that he's still learning the position of right field, you know, with all the time that, well, at least some of the time that he spent out last season and now uh, in in spring training, I get it. You know, he's never played the position before. He needs time to learn. Thing is though, is uh, you're not getting any faster at his age. You have pretty much peaked. If you are getting faster, it's in the the almost unmeasurable uh, realm. And, you know, Anybody that's got a pair of eyes, and I, sh- I should say, I shouldn't actually say that because apparently there are a lot of people that use the eye test, and I've watched them, and he was adequate out there. Was he serviceable? Mm, sorta. Sorta. But, uh, you know, as you and I had a conversation about this in the last couple of days, well, yesterday after it happened, we were in our uh, our chat. Um, there were, if, if he was an outfielder, there was there would have been no reason for him to dive for that ball because anybody who's a serviceable outfielder would have gotten to that ball at least in stride. And there are some guys out there that would have gotten to that ball and camped under it. So, you know, uh not really the place for Andrew Vaughn to be. I'm kinda shocked at how many people think that, you know, oh, the kid's ready and uh you know, he's gonna be good. Don't worry about it. Hmm. <laughs> yeah um one of our you know this is something that i had never looked at just because i didn't really see the need i was pretty i was fairly certain that looking at his defensive metrics on baseball savant was pretty much a foregone conclusion uh but one of our guys uh dan victor happened to uh tweet about it and showed that he was in the uh, first percentile for outfielder jump. And if you look at the rest of the, you know, the components that make up the, uh, what is considered, you know, the outfield jump, what that statistic is, if you look at it, he's pretty terrible in, uh, two out of the three, uh, metrics there. And, the one that he's, you know, that one that is 
at least halfway decent, which is a zero, which is certainly better than negative, but at least it's at least it's not negative. Uh, is the routes taken to taken to the uh, to the balls that he's going after, and uh, like I said, he's just at a zero. Um, it's it's not it's not good. And if you look at his uh, feet per second and uh, distance traveled, you know it's it's just it's not not uh, not family friendly numbers to look at. Um, it's pretty yeah. Accurate. You know you got to wonder if he's getting even getting really a, a read on the ball off of the bat because obviously the jump is not good. Uh, and being that you are learning a new position, or I should say he is learning a new position anyway. Uh, you can't really be expected to just kind of know how to do that. Some guys, it's uh, it comes natural. You know, they read the ball off a bat. You know, from the day they walk onto a field. Other guys, it's it's a learned uh, ability. And you know, let's be honest, the guy has never played outfield pretty much a day in his life. I think he in an interview he said he played a little bit in like you know little league back when yep. he was a kid. So this is the first time that he's playing outfield since, you know, he was, what, 10, 12 years old. Uh, it's going to be a difficult transition no matter how much time he has out there. He's a first baseman. Uh, he's not the tallest guy in the world. He doesn't have the longest legs, and he's a little stocky. You know, he's got uh, he's he's got some clubs. His, his legs are like logs out there, you know, and he's got some shoes for it, – it's, it's just – Oh, let me let me just uh, woo saw here. Woo saw. Uh, he just doesn't look good. Eye test is, you know, just as good as the numbers, in my opinion, right now. The, the eye test tells me he doesn't look good. I mean, looking at it, I knew that they were going to be bad. I didn't think that they would be that bad, but. Uh, you know, I mean, statistically, you can't get worse than one, you know, than first percentile. You know, I mean, <laughs> no. you can't, you can't, there's no, there's only up in, in that situation. There's only up to go. And uh, it's just, yeah, Seven Zealous says, doesn't feel like management is serious about winning. And when, you know, we have talked about this a bunch of times on here that, when you are slating in a guy who has only hit 253 max, you know, granted, you know, the OPS was a little better, uh, but in an A, an advanced A, his highest batting average is 253. And I think his best slugging or his, uh, his best OPS was like 820 something. I mean, that's not exactly the kind of thing that fits Rick Hahn's famous quote of the better ones have a way of forcing your hand and that's a good problem to have the thing about this is is that he never fit into that situation it was never like when he was in the minor leagues i mean granted fans were hyped and you know like when we would post andrew vaughn home runs at winston-salem in kannapolis you know they they got lots of views I mean, I think Chuck Swirsky and like a bunch of other guys like retweeted the tweet from us that, you know, he hit his first Winston-Salem home run and it was, it was a bomb. But the issue is, is that they didn't happen as often as you would like. 
And, uh, you know, I think he hit like 252 in Kannapolis and then 253 in Winston-Salem. So uh, are you talking about going outside for a right fielder? Looks like none of you are White Sox fans. Oh, for crying out loud. Uh, I'm sure that's a reference to the uh, Tony La Russa oh, comments. Uh, yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, uh, for those of you who did not see it, uh, Daryl Van Scowen, uh, tweeted out that, um, Tony LaRussa's quote of the day was if people are looking to go outside of the organization to find a right fielder, that you're not a White Sox fan because, real White Sox fans would know that we've got plenty of talent in the organization to fill right field. And the answer to that today was Gavin Sheets in right field, which, you know, I mean, (laughs) he did, he did get a, he did hit some nice, uh, you know, did get some nice, you know, a nice hit. Uh, At least I, I was listening to it is only available on the radio yet again. Um, no TV broadcast whatsoever of it. Uh, it was broadcast on the radio in both San Diego and Chicago. Um, I, and, you know, I had to work, so uh, hearing the entire game was not uh, a possibility. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice to see uh, Comcast Sports, uh, you know, showing uh, G League basketball games and, uh, you know, horse racing. Yes, Windy City Bulls and... Uh, you know, third-rate horse racing is certainly more important than, uh, you know, one of the three uh, pillars of Comcast Sports. Uh, it It is not exactly ideal. Uh, you know, I, I had this conversation on Twitter uh, when somebody brought it up and was, you know, including MLB in the tweet, and I was like, well... You know, the difference is I, I can watch every Brewers game. I can watch every Cubs game or at least home game because their networks are providing a broadcast. So to me, this suggests that it is the team's responsibility to get those onto TV for people to watch. I mean, that only makes sense. And... um to me, this yeah. suggests that it is the it, it's the White Sox that are not putting these games on there for people to watch, and that is unfortunate. Because am, am I mistaken to say that uh, the White Sox have some uh, interest in uh, the uh, broadcast company? Uh, they it's, do. Uh, uh, they, actually, uh, Jer- and, Jerry and, has uh, two teams not, on that broadcast company. So, and does does he not own part of the company? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you would think, uh, but yeah. unfortunately, you know, like the thing is, is that if, if this was 2017 or 2018, when the rebuild had just started and interest was a little bit lower because people knew that the team was probably going to suck, that it would, you know, that they, that they didn't broadcast every single one. Okay, cool. But we're headed into actually we we've been in uh contention years so you would think that you know there's this whole uh saying of being able to read the room and the thing is is that white Sox fans 
want to see the White Sox. They don't want to not be able to see the White Sox. So you would think that maybe, just maybe, they might put in some effort at least to broadcast the games at Camelback Ranch. Like how they didn't get uh, at least a, you know a feed of games at Camelback Ranch, like inexcusable. I mean, you could at least watch the game against the, the against the Dodgers yesterday. I mean, granted it was an LA feed, and so you had to listen to their announcers. Um, but at least you could see the game if you had the MLB package. So, you know, I ended up being able to watch it, which was great. But, you know, there's been quite a few games at Camelback Ranch that have not been broadcast. So, yeah. 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 I don't I don't have anything to add to that. I mean, you pretty much said it all. It's uh it's a shame when you have, you know, like you said, we're we're talking about uh Witty City basketball. And at the same time, the Bulls are, you know, making their final push for the playoffs here over the, you know, the next the few the next coming weeks. And you've got the, those two things going at the same time. Yet the only baseball we have is spring training baseball right now. And that's getting bumped for minor league basketball in the middle of the major league basketball season. The NBA season. Uh, it doesn't quite make sense to me. I don't really understand it, but that's pretty much my takeaway from it. Let's get some baseball on TV. Let's get some White Sox baseball on TV. And, uh, you know, let's just be done with this. What, what are we doing here? So anybody that's got any kind of connects out there, uh, I need you to start sending some uh, some uh, very choicely worded emails and notes. Uh, you know, I don't know. Send pigeons, carrier pigeons. I don't care. Get, somebody get the word out. Seven Zella says that Jerry isn't on his good list right now. And, uh, you know, I, we've gone over the Conforto thing, you know, a bunch. And I don't expect them to sign him. And you had mentioned the uh, the vaccination status thing. Uh about Conforto being uh, a possibly an issue. Okay, fine. Yeah, I don't know how far that goes, but you know, I'm sure it's at least part of a question mark anyway. Well, I mean, there is the thing that the White Sox instituted the policy that everybody that is on their roster and in their minor leagues and an employee has to be vaccinated. Uh, so that is certainly some sort of a hurdle. Uh, yeah, I was I was told recently though that uh, there's rumors that not every team member is vaccinated, but I couldn't get names on who was and who wasn't. So I don't know how much of that I believe, but you know I hadn't heard it. I, the only thing I had heard was that there is a team policy that if you want to be part of the White Sox organization, you've got to get a jab. Yeah, and I would certainly think that that would include uh, free agents. So that doesn't help things at all. Um, but I mean, there's also the the whole fact that he was extended the qualifying offer, and like a like an idiot didn't take the qualifying offer. Um, you know, yeah. especially especially by judging what has happened with his uh, with his market since then. Uh, 
hasn't exactly worked out probably for the best for him. And the thing is, is that they, it attaches the pick, the loss of a pick for signing him. So now, it, there, well, there has to be a certain amount of money spent on him in order. Yeah, to do it has. That. It like has to be threshold. For a third round pick, I think it's forty million. Okay. Uh, oh, and you're right. For, for a, a second, I think it's like fifty-five million, and then uh, for a first rounder, it's like a hundred million or so, it's something, something along those lines. Right. Um. So you know, we we I think we had this conversation before that Rodon because his contract is forty-four million dollars. I think they would have gotten a third round pick had they put a qualifying offer on him. But my thinking is that had they thrown the qualifying offer on him. You know, a team would have been less likely to give him multiple years and get up to that, you know, $40 million, you know, $44 million price just to try and keep it below that third round pick loss. You know, I mean, at least right. I would think and, so. And, you know, there's a chance that maybe, maybe he might have been uh, a White Sox, at least for one more year. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised had he had he taken the qualifying offer, and I would have been happy about that. And I, you know, I I know that there's <laughs> a bunch of people that said, "Oh, well, you know, the White Sox must have, you know, they they know him better than anyone," and uh, you know, so if they're not they're signing him, it's because his arm's ready to fall off again, despite the fact that there's not really any real evidence that proves that other than people making assumptions about things, you know, I mean, it couldn't just be that the white Sox didn't want to spend money, which there's plenty of evidence for. (laughs) No, it's certainly, it must be because his arms ready to fall off. Besides the fact that he threw more innings than he had thrown in like five years coming off of Tommy John, throwing like four innings or three innings or whatever the year before, and he goes out and throws 130, 132 innings or whatever it was of basically Cy Young caliber baseball, is a five-war pitcher in 130 innings, and you let him walk. And, and then aside from a, you know, when we, we see him playing against the Giants here uh, earlier this week, we see him, and uh, he pretty much comes out and shuts down the White Sox besides giving up a dinger to Aloy, which I don't really hold against Carlos because I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, Aloy's the type of guy that can hit home runs off of just about any pitcher out there. You you yeah. know, he faces Scherzer a handful of times. He's likely to hit one, you know, a long way. Yeah, you know, we, and we it, was on a, it was on a high changeup on a mistake pitch, you know, which right. he's the kind of player that's going to take advantage of a mistake pitch like that that's right over the heart of the plate and send it to the moon. So that's the kind of thing that's going to happen, especially in spring training. While he's, you know, while guys are still working, it was his first game, you know, they pitched for the giants and it just so happened to be against the white Sox. Uh, so yeah, imagine that. <laughs> you think that was planned mm. and a heck of a Twitch streamer. You tell him J mid, uh, yeah, hard underscore underscore Carl 55 uh, on the Twitches. And uh, Jay Mid is one of uh, Carl's crew. And uh, thanks for uh, thanks for the follow the other uh, last week there, Jay Mid. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, right on. So 
I, I mean, it was so bittersweet to see Carlos in the Giants uniform, and and of course he pitched well, you know, and not happy about it. But it's it's one of those things that I you know I I get it to a point. I just don't think that there's any issues with his health, and I think that it was it 100% boils down to a financial situation, just like penciling in Vaughn last year at DH. It's 100% a financial move. They, you know, overplayed their hand, thinking that again a guy who hit 253 or whatever in advanced <coughs> A was going to, uh, that that was a precursor to him coming out and, you know, hitting 285, you know, with a 800 and something OPS in the majors, which right we've, we've seen how well that's worked out in the past. And clearly, uh, judging by the 235, 705 from last year, uh, didn't work out exactly uh, like we had hoped and certainly didn't work out as uh Han and company had planned. So, well, you know, we, cause you see that all the time where a guy, you know, has some struggles in the minors and all of a sudden, you know, just develops at the major league, <laughs> at level. the major it league happens, level as a DH happens all the time. Yes. It happens all the time. Yep. And, uh, certainly also, uh, when you pencil them in in left field, when they've never played the outfield, uh, above little league, certainly helpful right. as well. Right. Um, yeah, so uh, good times, <laughs> such good times. Uh, so the other injury, uh, the other major injury uh, news from the week was uh, Yermin Mercedes um, fracturing a hamate bone in his in his uh, yeah, I believe in his one. left hand, if I remember correctly. Um, so he had surgery today. Uh, there's pictures out there of him uh, with a a cast, or you know. Club. heavily bandaged hand on uh, Instagram and um, happened uh, on a swing on a one, one or one, no one, two pitch uh, because he had uh, fouled off a couple of pitches. Uh, the one positive thing that did come out of that at bat was uh, with a one, two count uh, him leaving the game with the injury uh, Mike Rodolfo came in, worked a full count, and then hit a double, uh, which was very nice to see him come off the bench in a situation like that and still manage to have a positive outcome. Because we've seen before where, you know, a guy comes out halfway through in a bat and he's like completely out of sorts and uh, just muffs the at bat, you know, just K's yeah. on the next pitch. You know, I'd like to see uh, with with the spring that he's going, that he's got going for himself right now, and I'm gonna say that it's probably pretty much a foregone conclusion that with, I probably he probably didn't even need to expand the roster as a 28 to uh, think that uh, he was gonna be a part of the team just because he, for no other reason than he is out of options and he's got to make the 26 man or 28. you know. Well, I'm just saying, without the yep. 28, without yeah. without expanding the 28, we we I was assuming that he had to make the 26 man. Uh, I, either that, or you leave him unprotected to clear waivers and get scooped up because he's not he's not going to clear waivers, and he, you're not going to yeah. be able to sign him to a minor league contract. No. Somebody is going to scoop him up with 
his just his potential. You know, he hasn't exactly had a chance to show a lot of that potential with the string of injuries that he's had. But, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that feels like he's been in the organization forever, probably because he has been around for a while. But uh, those injuries holding him back and now being out of options, you'd think that, you know, hey, we're going to find a spot for him. I would and, think uh, so. You know, our very own Dan Victor said it himself, uh, you know, how do you let this kid make his way through uh, all these injuries and you keep him around all this time and right when he's healthy, you're going to just leave him unprotected and let him go? It's probably unlikely. So, you know, my I guess what I'm getting at here is, is now that this is the case. Have you seen Carlos yeah. Rodon? Just had to slip that in there. Well, see, now that was my <laughs> that was actually my argument to a few people that said that because they yeah. did the same thing. They watched him go through all those struggles and all those injuries. They kept him around and come time to sign him. They see you later. Yep. See ya. But, uh, you know, being that Mikers on a rookie contract, I think it is just a slight, slightly different scenario. Yep. Uh, and the other thing about that is, is you don't really have an outfielder. Sorry for all you Andrew Vaughn lovers, all you Andrew Vaughn and uh, Gavin Sheets stands for uh, right field. Uh, you know, there's a guy who actually knows how to play the outfield, has some wheels. Imagine that. And hits and hits the ball really hard. Does yeah. he have some swing and miss in his game? Sure. Uh, does he hit into some bad, you know, ground out situations? He leaves some guys on base every now and again. Yeah. But you know what else he does? He walks. He's got a decent eye sometimes. Yeah, he Yeah, he uh, does have a decent eye. Uh, he, he will... Uh... He'll take some strikes, but, uh, you know, then again, so do Yohan Mankata in his, uh, you know, <laughs> over his well, career here. So, and that's yeah. one thing that, you know, people love to complain about is that he's not swinging sometimes when they feel that he should be. Yeah. But I guess my point is, is, you know, now that, especially now that, that Vaughn's out, but before Vaughn went down, I was thinking, you know, why isn't this guy getting more reps with the first team? Starting now, he has had some, but uh, he's been playing a lot of B games, you know. And uh, I would like to see more of you know, maybe somebody who's an actual right fielder playing right field and getting comfortable with Luis Robert next to him out there in, in yeah. right field or in center field, or you know, Josh Harrison playing in front of him and Isaiah Brave playing in front of him and kind of get the a comfortability for knowing where guys are going to be, when they're going to be, and what he needs to be doing. But, uh, you know, I digress. I don't understand. Uh, you know, like you said, it seems like they had Andrew Vaughn penciled in already as the starting right fielder this season, and it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, if the results at the end of last season were a little bit better, sure, go ahead. Give the kid another chance. Exactly. Why not? But, you know, they yeah. weren't great. <laughs> well, I mean, like one of the arguments that I've that I've seen across Twitter and social media is that, well, you know, Andrew Vaughn has to get at bats this year, so he's got to have somewhere to play. And my yeah. thing, like, my, yeah, my my response to him <laughs> it, it, to these people is like, yeah, he does need to get at bats, but the thing is, is that you don't want to do it in right field because he's not a right fielder. You also why you can't even slide? You can't even pencil him in at DH because he hit two thirty five with a seven oh five OPS last year. Now I'm not saying that he's not going to improve, but you know, as I said before, is that he hasn't hit 
outside of rookie ball for an entire season. No, and you know the thing is, is if you're going to talk about giving somebody a bats, you know who else needs a bats? Gavin Sheets. And guess where he's going to be batting? DH. Yeah, and Mike Rodolfo. He's if you don't let him get at bats, he's gone. And then all these right. years that you've wasted, you know, of him between him getting injured and just not getting consistent at bats, you know, he just he's just going to walk and then he's going to end up somewhere else, you know, whether it be Pittsburgh or you know, whatever other franchise that uh let me think uh, another yeah, Baltimore, another uh team that you would call the uh, dregs of Major League Baseball, uh, you know, those kind of teams is where he's going to end up. And he's going to end up being like an Adolis, you know, Adolis uh, Garcia or uh, what's his name uh, from uh, the Rangers who just comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden this massive dude who always had all the uh, – talent in the world finally makes it to the majors and surprise a huge shocker the dude's hitting the ball a mile and uh everybody's like whoa where'd this guy come from you know same same kind Mike of thing. yeah it's, it's, him. Yeah, it's, it's 100 him you know and uh you know like i i drew uh comparisons now obviously take away the the crazy uh on base percentage but joey gallo is one of these guys that hits monster home runs, strikes out a lot, uh, hits some doubles, plays nice defense in the outfield, has a nice arm, which Adolfo has the best arm in the system and can play a, a pretty decent right field and is a right fielder by, you know. Yeah, trade. That's what he does every th- day. Yeah, that, that's his thing. That's what uh, he's been uh, doing his entire time in the minor league system. <laughs> yeah, so but no, we're going to force Andrew Vaughn into the lineup who has never shown that he can consistently hit for an entire season and is a first baseman. You guys will excuse me for a second. I'm going to chat with my brother here. Uh Yeah, do your thing, man. The, the knee is bothering me. Can you grab that stool again for my foot? Thanks, bud. Sorry about that. Oh, good, man. Um, yeah, it's just, I I don't know, like the, you know, as had been mentioned earlier, it doesn't feel like management is serious about winning. And I I won't say that they're not serious about winning. I just feel that there are certain thought processes that are going on here that are flawed, that are going to cause issues, uh, with the roster construction that's going to cause problems. Thanks. So, yeah, no, I agree. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's mind-boggling to say the least. It's baffling to me. And you know, we talk about Vaughn slotting Vaughn out there, but you know, Gavin Sheets again. You're talking about guys two first basemen. Yeah, sure. Gavin Sheets uh, learned a little bit about how to play outfield from his dad Larry, who was a a, a decent outfielder in his time in the majors and in Japan. Uh, but, uh, you know, how much can you really learn? And like, like we said, we mentioned this before, you know, he's built differently than his dad was. Yeah. You know, I mean, Gavin's a monster compared to, to Larry. So, you know, you've got 
six foot nothing Andrew Vaughn with, you know, tree stumps for legs out there. And then you've got Gavin Sheets, who is like, you know, Paul Bunyan trying to run around in the outfield. It doesn't make for uh, a good combination. It just doesn't, you know. Uh, they, I mean, I would say Andrew Vaughn isn't even the prototypical first baseman. You know, he was drafted for his bat yeah. first, and we haven't seen that. So, you know, when you talk about these guys and you talk about Mike Rodolfo being out of options, you know who does have options left? Andrew Vaughn. Yeah. You know who needs some time to develop? You know, and get the get the everyday at bats and the everyday coaching. You know, and maybe a little bit more one on one time. Down in you know, at the very least, Charlotte. I would say Birmingham. You know, put him in that ginormous field out there in Alabama, and uh, let's see what he does down there against some of the uh, you know the better pitching prospects instead of the guys that are rehabbing from injury or you know uh, you know the quad A guys that are hanging around in triple a let's see you know let's see what he can do in double a where some of the better up-and-comers are and uh you know get that stick going there's nothing wrong with it he's got time we've got guys to fill that gap and fill that hole let the kid develop let's not rush him we all remember gordon beckham was supposed to be the hottest thing since sliced bread when he came up he came out of georgia coming off the uh, college world series and uh you know that guy never really panned out, and we everybody talked about him the same way they talked about Andrew Vaughn, you know, one of the better pure hitters coming out of the draft. So, you know, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Truth Sayer says that Miker's just going to have to play so well that he can't be taken out of the lineup, and that's, I mean, unfortunately, that seems to be the way it's going to have to go because everybody seems to uh, have, you know, everybody in the front office seems to have hitched their wagon to Vaughn and Sheets and uh, forcing them into right field because Jose Abreu's there. And I, I've got uh, a nice little piece of trivia here. Who is the only outfielder in Major League Baseball who actually is slower than Andrew Vaughn? Gavin Sheets? Yes. Shocker, huh? Mm. So, uh, But the thing is, is that his reads are better and his reaction time's better. Well, that's where so, uh, that's where his coaching comes in. Yeah. So exactly, exactly. But the problem is, is that he's slow as molasses out there. And I mean, you saw well, that like last said, year, like Paul Bunyan. I mean, yeah. what do you expect? Yeah. Exactly my point. Um, I mean, you didn't you didn't think Frank Thomas would ever play the outfield, did you? Yeah. No, it yeah. wouldn't have been my first choice. Even uh, even right. when he was a rookie and he was sl- slimish, you know. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest with you, Frank Thomas was probably faster. Than she's oh, at one. Yeah, I mean, 100%. he played tight end. In yeah, college, yeah. No, me. he's hundred percent. He was faster than these than he, these two guys for sure. <laughs> so you know, you know, I'm just trying to put things in perspective here. And then the other argument that we get a lot of is, well, there's you know, Yoelki Cespedes and Oscar Colas. Well, again, these guys are you know just making their way into the organization, and they have options. They have the time to develop. So let them develop. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Why are we is trying that, to force the hand here? Yeah, that. See, now here's here's where the issue comes in, right? Is that on one hand, these people that make these arguments are saying that we need to win now, which I don't disagree with. No, I don't disagree with it either. You know, but the thing is, is that they're against spending money on a on a free agent. 
but they also don't want that guy in the outfield to be Miker or Basabe or Adam Engel. They, you know, it's they, they're. It seems like most people are like Vaughn and Cheats. They have to be the right fielder because they need to get at bats. Which you know, like I believe I me- might have mentioned this last week is that at least, at the very least, Gavin Sheets has shown in minor league that he can hit a baseball and that he yeah. has good bat-to-ball skills and that he's not yeah. going to be overmatched in two-thirds of his at-bats. You know, at least he's going to put together professional at-bats and he's not going to have those wasted swings that you saw a lot out of on last year. A lot. Yeah. 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 One thousand percent agree. And, you know, the funny thing is, is, uh, you know, I kind of have to feel like comments that uh, the comments that Tony LaRusso made the other day are literally shaming these fans into believing that that's what your choices are. And that's what it has to be, because if you don't think it's Vaughn or Sheets, you're not a White Sox fan. Well, he did say that we have plenty of talent in the organization. In the organization. Right. Now, I would think that he probably means uh, one uh, Larry Garcia is going to be in right field quite a mm. bit. Well, Can't wait to see that. that. Can't wait to see it. <laughs> I have got my, yeah. uh, I've got my uh, spot on the couch ready to watch myself some Larry Garcia, uh, whichever position that he happens to be penciled in for that day because, uh, you know, Everybody needs a day off. I mean, imagine yeah, if you've got Romy Gonzalez in there playing second base. You could have Josh Harrison and Leori Garcia spell two guys and get them both their their days off. So we could have uh, two thirds of the lineup in every day. That'd be yeah, awesome. We can, yeah, we can have uh, you can have Romy out there playing second, and we can have. Uh, Aloy on the bench and Leary out and right and Josh Harrison out and left and sure yeah why not and then fantastic uh, lineup yeah put uh, Danny Mendick at shortstop so you can uh, spell Tim Anderson as well there you go <sighs> well you know we we talked about the injuries a little bit actually and we we kind of uh, glanced over uh, without actually mentioning uh, Jake Berger uh, he's got an ankle with yeah with, with an ankle issue. Yeah, and uh, I believe it was the left ankle. So is that the same ankle? Is it the same uh, foot where the Achilles was? Do we know? I don't know which foot it I was. I really hope not. I mean, I'm not really worried about his Achilles rupturing again. Um, yeah, it's hard to do that a third time, huh? I would think. Uh, it's like lightning striking, you know, three times. Yeah, uh, it generally doesn't happen. Although I seem to remember there was some guy who got struck by lightning like seven times. Seems like he just had like some sort of uh, magnetic force. Either that, or he was really stupid running around with like a, uh, you know, like a, a metal <laughs> rod and lightning storms. Hat. Yeah, could yeah. be. I don't know. Um, wide open field. <laughs> so, uh, have you watched? Uh, have you watched much of the spring training games? Have you been able to watch much of the spring training games? Uh, I luckily have actually being, and I say luckily, you know, a little bit tongue in cheek here, but uh, you know, I have been laid up. Because of the knee, so the last couple of weeks I have caught uh, probably more than I normally would have because I'm not at work. So yeah, I, I have uh, I've been I've been checking in as much as possible. 
Uh, I've been listening on the radio here and there, broadcasts, which, oof, that can be rough at times. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I'm not blaming you for that one. Um, So Giolito pitched again for a second time today. Yeah. And uh, put up some put up some nice stuff. Uh, had five strikeouts, didn't allow a run. I think he gave up one hit. Um, and they managed to lose nine to eight. If I if uh, if I'm not getting my numbers mixed up, but I think they lost nine to eight today. And uh, sounds right. Yeah, Crochet had a really rough outing today. Couldn't uh, find the strike zone to save his life. Was walking people all over the place. Uh, he's been getting a lot of uh, appearances here in the last week and a half. So, you know, it could just be a little bit of overuse early in the, the spring here. You just know, we're bound to have a clunker here and there. So, yeah, that uh, that Tony Larusa bullpen management of uh, running guys into the ground for a week and a half and then giving them a week and a half off. It's right. one of my one of my favorite things to watch. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> yeah, but the, I will say that the game against the Angels, uh, what day was that? Was that on Friday? I think it was on, fr- uh, maybe it was on Thursday. Thursday against the Angels where uh, Crochet struck, or maybe it was Saturday, struck out uh, Otani. Yeah, one, two, three. Yeah, it was four pitches. Got but, him on the, uh, four, yeah, you're right. But got him yeah. on the high heat on the last one. He Oof, threw, yeah, nasty. Threw him, I think he's on three straight nasty sliders and then uh you know and they were all down in a way got them kind of flailing and then yeah. that height came in i remember uh jason asking uh steve you know what do you throw here next you, you come back with the slider again and steve said it, it pretty much the same time i did i looked at my wife i said no nah, he's gonna go he's gonna go with the hot sauce up top high. shelf he, yeah his uh coach q would say peanut butter yeah, the uh, it, uh, one thing that I really so the 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 first pitch of the game, uh, Vince Velasquez is facing Otani, and throws yeah. a uh, a low uh, I think it was like a low curveball. It was actually not a terrible pitch, but Otani still ended up hitting it a mile. So it was like a nice uh, oh, there's Vince Velasquez again. Um, <laughs> How but, do you? Yeah, but I seem to remember. Uh, Every time the White Sox throw one of their lefty relievers against Otani, um, he has a lot of problems. But I think that that has more to do with uh, Bummer and Crochet just being uh, really nasty and really tough to pick up on. So that would probably make a bunch of sense in in that uh, assessment of what's been happening. yeah, Vince Velasquez, uh, not probably not the answer. Where, where's Where's Danny? Got John, Jonathan Taze here now. Yeah, I just had to throw it on real quick. It just happened to be sitting next to me for some odd reason, and uh, you know the Bulls game's over, so uh, they they switched over to the Blackhawks broadcast, and uh, mm. I just saw Jonathan Taze uh, scrumming it up with. Uh, Really? One of the guys out there, so, you know, huh. had, had to put the old mask on. All right, well, there you go. I heard that, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, not that this is, is a uh, this is not a Blackhawks uh, stream slash podcast, but I heard that he's not really too uh, too thrilled about the whole uh, rebuild situation. So he's got, no. one, he's got, like, what, one year left on his contract that yep. uh, next, next year's uh, trade season. 
Mm. Yeah. You know, could be one of them. It could be. Uh, it would be a shame to see him play anywhere else. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, uh, he did some really good things here. You cannot be upset about. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Three trophies in uh, five years. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I mean, between him and Kane, I mean, that's like uh, that's like a dream scenario there. You just have to kind of fill in around him and they had a couple of really, you know, really solid teams. But yeah, but and you know, you think about it. Uh, neither one of those guys is really all that old yet. No, yet yeah. they've been around since uh, what two thousand seven and two thousand eight. Yeah, I mean, you know, hockey's one of those one of those games. If you're conditioned the right way, you can do that. You know, yeah, Chelios played till he was time. what like sixty five. It seemed like it, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it looked like uh, it looked like Haas was going to play. For a long time after they yeah. extended that twelve-year contract and uh, circumvented all kinds of uh, issues and, and you know uh, cap, yeah, until he until he got but, brained and then uh, that was that was that. Yeah, he uh, he had some kind of skin condition. They said he was. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. So, but you know, anyway, I digress. We're uh, we're getting off the. Uh, Getting off subject here, like you said, this is a White Sox podcast, so it is. Yeah, so like I said, Vince Velasquez, not not good. Um, his first outing didn't go too terrible, uh, but this one was this one was ugly. Uh, he got yanked in the first inning, couldn't get out of it, and then uh, you know. Second second inning wasn't really all that great either, but uh, you know didn't uh, not too much you know not not any damage uh, if I remember correctly. Um, I haven't looked at the box score today, but uh, I do remember saying, "Yeah, that's Vince Velasquez." That's pretty much what I remember <laughs> from the Phillies, and uh, you know the whole uh, cats will fix them thing didn't uh, hasn't hasn't shown up quite yet. You know, I guess you got to give it time or, or not. Yeah. Uh, for $3 million uh, mop-up duty, uh, that's pretty much uh, probably what you're looking at there. I don't see uh, him getting any real meaningful innings unless there is uh, a major meltdown that includes uh, several of our starting pitchers uh, being out for – Extended periods of time. I, I did like your uh, your comment on the uh, the mop up duty in our chat, and I don't know how you feel about sharing that. This is a, uh, a you know, we are rated a clean show on the uh, on the Twitter. Yeah, shows. yeah. Um, for for those of you that have seen uh, the movie Clerks, uh, there's something along the lines of uh, mop mop up duty uh, mentioned in that movie. I'll just leave it there. Um, so. Uh, Keuchel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's one of the, I mean, it was, it was definitely a Keuchel outing. It was one of those things where you never really felt comfortable. But, but he got it done. <laughs> but he got it done. You know, it was like uh, a ground ball at exactly the perfect time and managed to, 
get the get out of there without actually giving up the hit that finally broke it open. You know, it was it, it was always there was guys on base, and uh, there were those bloop singles. Just never managed to get the bloop single that was actually going to drive in some runs. And uh, well, you know, and that's the thing with Keiko. I mean, he's been like that a lot in his career. Uh, he doesn't give up a ton of hard hit balls, but when they seem to find the holes or they seem to drop just outside of the, the reach of, of someone, man, can it be damaging? Yeah. It seems like most of the time when it's hit hard, it's like the ball's like eight inches, eight inches off the ground. So it just ends up being a gapper or a hard hit single most of the time. Unless, you know, he's leaving a, you know, curveball mid-thigh and then it gets hit to the moon. But, you know, we've seen that. We've seen that. We've seen that movie before as well. But, I mean, uh, in his first start, it was just dink and dunk and there was hit by pitch and walks and it ended up getting him into trouble. And this start was like kind of like a throwback to 2020 where he'd give up contact and there would be, you know, some hits here and there, but he would limit the damage for the most part. Uh, the good part of 2020 before uh, Ricky Renteria drove him into the ground, having him throw 130 pitches when they were up eight runs or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, that, that the start uh, the other day kind of reminded me of 2020 where he, when he was going well, where he would, he would have some contact, but there was uh always a timely ground ball. And most of the time when there would be any kind of damage, it would be with like two outs. So your singles, you know, your two singles that you're going to see in that inning, there's already two outs. And then he ends up getting a ground ball or a pop-up in the infield or something like that, that ends up wiping it all away. And it ends up being okay. Now, the thing that's going to be a bugaboo, if you will, uh, this year is going to be Keuchel's vesting option. And I don't remember exactly how many innings it is. I think it's like 160. Yeah, it's like 160, 162, somewhere in there. Uh, but so if he's pitching well and you're coming down that, uh, that stretch down in, uh, September, and you've got a neck and neck with uh, the Twins or the Tigers, or say both, if uh, both decide to play some baseball. Um, and we've already got a Michael Kopech on an innings limit. Yeah, and so you can't afford to lose Keuchel if Keuchel's pitching well, and you're he's at 150 innings, but you got three weeks left in the season. And if he makes that vesting option. Then he's $20 million next year. So what do you do? This mm. is uh this is gonna be this is going to be interesting TV to watch because I don't know I don't particularly want him back next year. You know, I'd like to say that they would go out and sign some sort of a frontline starter, but we've had this conversation before uh, two years in a row. So, yeah. yeah, well, you know, I mean, we did get Tonka, 
but uh, you know, True. we could have used uh, we could have used one or two more, and uh, it hasn't happened. And uh, especially this year, after the loss of Carlos, and you know, we won't beat that horse. But uh, you would think it maybe. You got to hope that maybe before the deadline that uh, they go out and they find a a team that, uh, you know, just isn't all that competitive, but maybe has a a good starter in the stable that uh, we can scoop up, you know, for a rental or something. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, like you said, with with him and his vesting option, uh, Dallas, uh, and then you, like we said, Michael Kopech, they're expecting, you know, somewhere around 140 innings this year. Uh, and we were kind of, you know, just roughly talking about the math. That's uh, it's in the neighborhood of about 10 missed starts. What do you do when come September? You know, I, you know, the you, only you thing that Raylo can come in and, and step in and do some things, you know, uh, maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. You don't really know. Uh, a lot of that remains seen. Uh, it's looking now, you know, again, there's still those, those two guys from Oakland are, are still floating around out there, although it's kind of gotten stagnant. Uh, you haven't really heard much in the action along the line. So, you know, it's nothing, nothing solid other than, you know, there's a handful of teams still looking at Frankie Montas and uh, Sean Manaya from uh, from Oakland. And Oakland basically is saying that they would rather deal I, I believe they said they would rather deal Manea first than yes. Montas, yeah. which, you know, yep, yep, in, yep. in the Sox, in, 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 from the Sox perspective would be awesome because he's a lefty and uh, being a Dallas Keuchel is the only lefty in your rotation. I wouldn't mind seeing it. Frankie Montas has uh, got probably a stronger track record. Well, I wouldn't say he's, he's got also- a stronger track record, but he kills the Astros, which is really nice. And uh, he's got a four-pitch mix as opposed to a three-pitch. Well, that, and, you know, he's also uh, familiar with the organization. Oh, both of them are. Here in Chicago. But, you know. Well, this is true. (laughs) I mean, just, I think think probably the snag that they've hit over there is that they got them for fairly decent uh, arbitration numbers. So I would not be surprised if they're not blown away with the offers if they're not holding on to them until the until the trade deadline. It could very well be. I mean, very think well think about the kind of boost that you're going to get from a a Manaya or a or Montas at the trade deadline. That's yeah, going to be like July. a yeah. That's going to be a big bump for any potential contender. I mean. If you can outright, outright fleece somebody to to trade these guys, I mean, it makes more sense to do that than do it now at the very beginning of the season where they're like, yeah, we'll give you this and this. And, they, you know, when they really need it, that's when you can really, you know, grab them and get those good prospects for them. So let me answer this since we're on the subject, you know, and I kind of I didn't mean to really toss a subject that way, but we were on the subject of starting pitching and, you know, just kind of came about, but, uh, 
You know, one of the names that seems to be attached to the White Sox in this whole trade scenario that people seem to be, you know, thinking is is what Oakland is asking for is Andrew Vaughn. If you are Rick Hahn or you are the GM of the White Sox, would you entertain training Andrew Vaughn for one year of control of Sean Manea? No, not for one year. I wouldn't do it for one year. Um, yeah, if I, w- if I was going to trade Vaughn, it's going to be for somebody that's at least got two years of control. Right. Two. I mean, I and, and that's not even, I, you know, like two years isn't really even that much. And it's probably, you know, to be honest, it's going to take more than just Vaughn. And like thing, you know, like, like I've said before is that I think that Vaughn will end up being a productive baseball player. I just, I agree. Think he need, you know, I, I've used the phrase uh, to you before, but I, I feel like they peeled a green banana, you know, exactly. They, they brought him up too early and expected too much from him. And then they got a little bit of a, you know, bitterness out of it. You know, it's, they didn't get all the things that they thought that they were going to get because they pushed him too early. And that's just the way it ended up. I think that they could have uh, made a more concerted effort to try and find somebody to DH last year, but they didn't. And that's okay. what we got. So, yeah, it pretty much sums up where I'm at on that whole situation myself. I just wanted to hear from you. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I just don't think that they're going to, you know, besides the fact that they're going to run him out there out of position. And, uh, you know, risk his career that way. I don't think that they're going to give him away in a trade for somebody with one year control. Just my, my thinking on that. I agree. He's a number four overall draft pick first round draft pick, uh, for one year of control for a guy who's, you know, pretty good, but He's not an ace. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just think that's a pretty tall ask. Yeah, I think if they're going to do it for somebody with one year of control, it's going to be for somebody that's going to be somebody like Carlos Rodon, you know, uh, hey. putting up Cy Young-type numbers. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, you know how things are going to go this year, of course, because he's gone. But... uh you know, some somebody that's going to put up numbers like that. I mean, regardless of his hundred and thirty some innings last year, uh, but you're going to obviously not a Scherzer because he's making forty million dollars a year or whatever. But uh, you know, somebody along those lines, even if it's an expiring, you know, if it's an expiring contract, that's I think that that's the only way that something like that's going to be done is that I feel that that's the thing that's finally going to put them over the top against whatever competition they have. And even then, I still doubt it happens. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. Yeah, I mean, it's the... uh, Good talk. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it's just, you know, the way that that they've constructed the organization of drafting first basemen... And, you know, the fact that Abreu has continued to put out 
good offensive production. And they don't want to get rid of him because he's considered, you know, like a dad in the locker room. And you know how Jerry is with the family aspect of things. And, you know, I, I just, I and, don't and see them. not to mention Jose's willingness to, uh, you know, keep accepting team-friendly contracts. Yeah, which I was going to get into that in a second here. But, oh, uh, I'm sorry. No, no, that's that's fine. Not not Jose in general, but uh, team friendly contract aspect of things. Uh, but you know, like uh, you know, uh, Jerry wants to have the uh, family style meal. You know, where uh, you've got these contracts that are family friendly, and uh, he wants everybody to uh, be in perfect harmony. And uh, I don't see them bopping out Abreu to fit in Vaughn. They're going to make Vaughn wait, and they're going to continue to uh, pound that square peg into a round hole um, until finally Abreu's gone. And, like, thing is right now is that, like I mentioned before, and, like, you, you know, like you've seen – Gavin Sheets puts together better at bats than Vaughn does. And the power's yeah, finally possible. developed. It's very possible he's the first baseman of the future. It is entirely possible. Um which actually, uh funny thing, uh the Dodgers, the White Sox playing the Dodgers, and Gavin Sheets hit a screamer to first base. And uh the first baseman for the Dodgers at the time, I think it was like the uh seventh inning or so. Uh, the, the first baseman snagged it and uh, ran it to first base and uh, got sheets out. And it was uh, 2017 12th round selection by the White Sox, Justin Yurchak, who uh, the White Sox let walk. Uh, and he is now rated the number 30 prospect for the Dodgers by MLB Pipeline. And uh, as a first baseman... Uh, left-handed and older for him to make it to number 30 on the MLB pipeline top prospects for the Dodgers who have all sorts of prospects despite all despite all these trades that they make they still manage to end up having you know all these prospects that are just uh they just keep coming and keep coming and they trade them somewhere else and then they play well play well somewhere else as well is that they just seem to have all these talented guys well one of the Guys happens to be an ex-White Sox that they just let walk, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, speaking of future first baseman. Um, but, yeah, no, it could be Gavin Sheets that actually is the first baseman of, uh, you know, that's going to continue. And the nice thing about him is that he's left-handed, and he's hitting for power now. And he's a large target. He is. For throws the bag. Yep. And he's not, you know, he's not bad on defense. He's not, uh, you know, not gold Glover, but then again, when they played the Dodgers the other day, Freddie Freeman looked terrible. So, and, uh, he's yeah, well, generally you know, pretty good. Canerco was loved by white Sox fans through and through. And, uh, he was not the best defender in the world, uh, and didn't have a whole lot of range. So, uh, as long as Gavin sheets does the things that he is, uh, you know, been known to do, and we hope he continues to do with the baseball bat. Uh, you know, 
chances are he could be another one of those type players where, you know, maybe not the best defender in the world, but uh, walk tall, carry a big stick, you know, kind of guy. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, and the thing is, I'm, I'm very happy that uh, Sheets has done that because he was. The thing is, I'm, uh, you know, I watched him through his minor league career, and uh, it's just always that uh, that power that was lacking, and the fact that he seems to have uh, found that power strokes really nice, and uh, certainly puts a hurting on the ball. Now I don't know where the heck the power came from, but it's like all of a sudden, just boom, it was there, and. You know, I mean, yeah, it's really some monster, monster shots, no doubters last yeah. year. It was just, I mean, you know, every guy that, that hits home runs is going to creeper here and there, but uh, man, he is, he really put a charge into a few of them last year that you just, yep. you knew. Yeah. You knew. There was no doubt. You know, this is so, just a lot like some of those uh, Aloy and uh, Louis Robert uh, dingers. Uh, Gavin's got some pop in that bat now. Um, so, speaking of uh, Jerry and his family-friendly, uh, family atmosphere, uh, contractual uh, talks. Yeah, I was pretty sure I knew we were going to go with this, but uh, yeah, that's yeah. So, <laughs> so Lucas Giolito is slated to go to arbitration, <laughs> and. He goes uh his uh I believe his offer was seven point five million. The White Sox offered seven point three. Correct. He he turned down the seven point three and then they came back with seven point four and he returned at seven point four five. And that was it. They they said no on the seven four five, so essentially fifty thousand dollars seems to be the cutoff mark for what the White Sox think that he's worth. Besides the fact that they tried to, you know, reportedly tried to offer him a extension last year that would have had him. At a twelve point five million AAV, <laughs> they didn't want to pay him fifty thousand dollars extra to get him to seven point five five right. million less than what he would have gotten if he had taken that extension. Correct. Hmm. <sighs> now. I th- th- this this whole situation to me seems very avoidable. Um, yeah, if you are trying to re-sign the guy who was in 2018 the worst pitcher in baseball, uh, but there was something uh, inside him, something that numbers could not define. Um, does this seem like the kind of move? that you are going to make trying to re-sign or extend or whatever you're trying to do with Lucas Giulio, does this seem like a good move to you? Are you're, you're asking me. Oh, honestly. yes, yes. I, I, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, does this is this a decision that you would make? 
Uh, we're talking about 2018. No, no, I'm talking about right now. I mean, does we're it seem to, like a rational decision after what was the 2020? I believe. Yeah, I think they said so. It would have bought his last couple of years of arbitration and his and one extra year, first yeah. year of free agency. Would have been free agency. Yep. Uh, you know, here's, I don't know if I can answer your question the way it was asked, the way I'm feeling about this, but I will say this. It sounds to me like they knew and they, we've, we've seen it now for the last couple of seasons, even though he had some struggles last year, for the most part, he was a, a, a very good pitcher. He wasn't fantastical like he had been, uh, the year before. Uh, or in 2019, I should say, was was just an outstanding season. Um, but we've seen a couple of good years, a couple of really good years, solid years from Lucas. And uh, they would look like they're just trying to buy his first year of free agency. It's basically twelve it and a half million dollars for twelve and a half million dollars. A guy who's getting you, you know four and five war a, a year as a starting pitcher. Um, a couple of years ago, I think he was over six, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, 2019. Yeah. I think he was like 6.3 or 6.4. Yeah. Something like that. Depending on F or B war. Yeah. It was in like the top five or six in all of baseball. Uh, yeah. I, I think that that's uh, it's, it's a slap in the face. To uh, try to buy, you know, now there's a lot of people out there that are going to tell you, you know, well, he's making a lot less in arbitration years. He should have taken that money. You know, it's guaranteed money. What if he gets hurt? What if, you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? He was going to make a lot more money taking that deal. Sure, fine. He was. But if his production says anything, betting on himself right now is not a bad idea. He's already been through the TJ. Uh, he's, you know, he's gone through some struggles and, uh, you know, the thing is, is, uh, he's going to get paid if he stays healthy when he goes into free agency. So trying to buy that one year of, of free agency is probably a big mistake on the, the part of the White Sox. It, yeah, I, that's, that's where I'm at. I think it's, uh, I think it's a mistake. I mean, obviously the seven point five, like what, like the fifty thousand dollar difference. That's just ludicrous. Yeah, to me, that's just uh, that's just asking I'm, for issues, you know. Uh, further down the line, now whether they think that he's going to try and <laughs> um, get out into the free market, anyways, I mean that's entirely possible, um, but. One of the things that I got back from someone on Twitter was that, well, you know, if you add that money together, he's at this and this, and he'd have to make $18 million in his last year of arbitration. And my thinking is, well, it's entirely possible that he could make around that. And then he gets the next, you know, when he goes to free agency he gets to do that a year earlier where he can get, I mean, you've seen the contracts that these starting pitchers are getting and somebody that is uh, of the quality of Lucas Giolito 
is he could easily get two years worth of that twelve or that fifty million dollar contract in a single season. Absolutely. That's that's exactly my point. Is that that first year of free agency that you're saying, oh, well, we'd have to make this much. Well, the difference in what he gets for arbitration and this eighteen million dollar marker that that you set, uh the odds of him getting like a $25 million contract every year. You see, the, you see the pitching numbers start to go like this every year. Uh, you know, when guys like Kluber and, uh, you know, these reclamation projects that haven't pitched in two years are getting 10, 12, $14 million dollars. And guys that are solid pitchers are getting like $17, $18 million a year when he is 6th, 7th, 8th in Cy Young voting for the last three seasons. The guy's going to get paid, and he's right. going to make that money back. I mean, whether it be a six-year <laughs> contract of you know escalating dollar amounts or whatever it is, the guy's going to end up getting paid. He's going to end up making like, you know, $150 million probably, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I want to buy, I want to buy your arbitration years plus one for 50. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I can't blame him for not accepting that. I can't blame him. No, yeah, he's, uh, he's betting on himself, you know? And like I said, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to make well over that. And he's going to do it a year earlier than he would have if he would have accepted that extension. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I can't, I guess I can't necessarily blame them for, for making the attempt. Uh, but the thing that I find baffling is that then they're haggling over $50,000 in the arbitration. That's a thing that right. I don't understand. Right. You know, if At the guy asks for 7.5, yeah. If the guy asks for 7.5, Give him 7.5. It's still $5 million less than you were trying to pay him before. And it's like, what What do you have to gain by not paying him an extra $50,000, That flexibility to make the, uh, the mid-season move. Yeah, because that $200,000 is really going to get him that, uh, you know, it's really going to make the difference on that free agent that he's going to sign. Uh, although, I mean, I guess, you know, uh, at this point, uh, other than Conforto, if you're trying to get somebody, you might be able to get somebody for uh, league minimum. And uh, that's, you know, it's like a third of the league minimum right now. So, yeah. So uh, here we are. We're uh, 20 minutes into our uh, second hour. <laughs> here on White Sox Daily Live, and I just want to, uh, you know, if you guys are just joining us, we have been uh, living up to our reputation as the uh, the bitchiest stream slash podcast in uh, the White Sox Twitter podcast verse. So, welcome, enjoy the ride, and uh, you know, I'll uh, I'll pass out the small violins and the cheese later. Rays of sunshine just <laughs> bursting from your screen. What's up, Thirsty Fire? Yeah, another disappointing loss today. Yeah, you know, Giolito pitched wonderful. Uh, didn't give up any hits, or gave up one hit, didn't give up any runs. Uh, Crochet had a terrible uh, a terrible outing. Uh, 
Tyler Johnson uh, struck out the first two guys he saw, one of them which is uh, – Hey, fins up. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for Thanks the follow. For Appreciate it. There's a your mean booty shake for you. Um, yeah, Tyler Johnson came out and uh, he struck out two guys in a row. And I don't know if the second one counts because it was Nomar Mazzara, but he got the first two guys out. <laughs> and then uh, the third guy hit a home run off of him. And then I think he walked a guy. And uh, then he had another guy that ended up. Oh, oh. Uh, Zach Collins, uh, a guy faked, uh, faked a stolen base from first base. Uh, Zach Collins decided to throw it to second base anyway, uh, because the guy only faked stealing second base. Neither of the infielders covered second base. So the ball went into center field and the guy got the second base anyway, uh, despite not actually trying to steal. Um, and then of course the next guy up hit a single and the guy scored. So, um, yeah, Tyler Johnson actually wasn't that terrible. Hey, what's up, Xavier? How you doing? Xavier. Yeah. So White Sox Daily's own Xavier yeah. Santos. And Welcome. That was about the time where I went and picked up some uh salt for the water softener and then uh drove home. <laughs> and um I'm you know, on my way home from work. And uh I didn't catch what happened for the rest of the game because I had other stuff to do. So um I did hear that there was uh, a Joel Booker sighting out in center field, so there was that. Hey, yeah, I missed uh, I missed the the latter part of the game as well too. I was uh, trying to get in some uh, physical therapy, which mm. didn't happen. But you know, we won't get into all that. Yeah, so, I got, I'm gonna yeah. look here real quick because I didn't see who uh, gave up all those runs at the end of the game. Um, so and I I probably should have looked yeah, at that. Last before. I saw was two to two, I believe. So it was still fairly early in the game. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. That was when I, I left when it was uh when it was three to two, I believe, and uh, stopped paying attention. So you know I should be a better I should be a better host, and I should have looked at this. Um, but you know you yeah, know how that great. goes. Time gets away from you, and it's spring training. So, is it, uh, you know, if a, if they don't really have, if they don't have a, a broadcast on TV, did the game really happen? I still haven't yet seen proof. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, yeah, crochet, blown save, uh, three hits, two runs. Uh, wait a second. No walks. Could have swore he had walks. Okay, maybe I was, uh, maybe I was mistaken. Um, Brandon Finnegan, two walks. Maybe that's, maybe that's what it was. Maybe. Yeah. He just got a couple of hits against him. I don't know. Yaxel Rios gave up four runs. Yaxel. Come on. Yaxel. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Tanner Banks, uh, finished it. Uh, looks like he finished it out with, uh, the last two thirds after, uh, Yaxel, was in for uh, one third of an inning and managed uh, three walks, two hits, four runs, and he did get a strikeout. So that's good. Gave up a home run, twenty-seven ERA, looking good, Yaxel. Um, yeah, that's one of those guys that I wasn't expecting to uh, to be around for all that long. Um, yeah. And Finnegan, uh, you know, I had some hope for uh, Finnegan. And I think his first outing wasn't half bad, but then the last couple have been pretty terrible. So um, 
him actually uh, being something, uh, you know, something of a signing doesn't look like it's go- going to pan out uh, Vince Velasquez. So Vince Velasquez. Yeah. That almost hurts to say. Oh, okay. Tyler Johnson got the hold. What what is going on here? Was I I must have been I have no idea what's going on here because it says here Tyler Johnson had one third of an inning pitched, but he doesn't have th- this these 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 lines can't be right. Can't be right. Yeah. I don't know. Weird. I, I really honestly don't know. But uh are you sure it wasn't you said you went to get salt water softener, right? Yeah, but, but this was beforehand. You weren't you weren't messing around with bath salts, were you? It could have been bath salts. I might have complete. I might. I might have eaten somebody on accident, <laughs> eaten their face off. Um, yeah. So I. I don't know, man. Uh, like I don't. Uh, I don't remember some of this stuff. But you know, maybe. Uh, maybe I stepped into the twilight zone. But you know, like I said, as there was no uh, no broadcast, I can't really say that. Uh, maybe I just was not concentrating very hard. I guess I don't know. But uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, what do you got? Uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember who's pitching tomorrow. It should be. Is it uh, Lynn? I think Lynn pitches tomorrow. Does that make sense? I think it's Lynn. Uh, let me look it up here right quick. Oh, wait a second. No game tomorrow. No game tomorrow. What? Well, I guess that Off means. Day? Yeah, it looks like it. Unless it's just not televised and I'm just missing it. But I know I think they don't have a game tomorrow. Well, see, see there you go. An extra day for uh, Andrew Vaughn to read that, uh, that hit pointer and uh, be ready to be your White Sox opening day starting right fielder. Well, I mean, opening day is not that far away. I, I mean, if he can make it back, I'd be surprised. But uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah, no, they got the day off tomorrow. And then, uh, oh, yes, Cease is pitching against the Rangers. And uh, well, I tell you, I like what I see from him so far in spring, uh, you know. Well, he, or what uh, you what you've what, the stat line that you've seen, because. Uh, well, that's true. Yeah, because I haven't really seen him. Yeah, exactly. Again, come on, guys, get with it. Televise your baseball games. There's, I mean, it's 2022. There's, there's literally zero reason that we should even be having this conversation. They should be broadcasting every single stinking game. Yeah, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm over here watching Buttercups and Nuts win the fifth in a, by you know two furloughs instead of watching White Sox baseball. Exactly. Yeah, or the Windy City Bulls, seeing uh, whoever they've got on that roster, developmental squad. Yeah. Um, uh, So positives from today. Uh, Engel went two for three. That's nice to see. Um, You know, again, uh, one thing that Engel has been known to do, which is uh, really do well in uh, spring training. Um, so can you really read too much into that? Nah, not really. Um, 
but is you had a two-run uh, bomb from Aloy, which was uh, nice. They actually did post a, you know, side shot, uh, you know, single cam footage of it from the uh, dugout, which yeah, is not entirely very helpful, but you know, no, better you than nothing. Swing and the ball off the bat. That's about it. You get, you, a, know, you know, a few feet of the trot and. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's just fluff, you know, for them to put up on their uh, on their Twitter account, which you know is fine. Uh, you had a one for three from uh, Luis Robert, zero for three from Timmy, which is a strange one. But uh, how about this? Laz Rivera got into uh, play for uh, TA and went two for two. So big shout out to uh, Laz the Destroyer. Way to go, pal! Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, so, um, oh, Alex Destino got in. 0 for really? 1. Yeah, 0 for 1, but it's nice to see uh, Destino get up there and get some hacks. That's nice. Um, yeah, so there was, it was, uh, you know, like I said, there was a uh, a Joel Booker signing today. So it, it's kind of cool, you know, some of, the, uh, some of the younger guys that haven't gotten any run yet, really. Uh, actually got some at bats today, so that was that was nice for everybody. Um, JJ yeah, Muno, I figure you're probably going to see a few more of those here coming up because the uh, the rosters uh, got to be compressed here coming up shortly. I think they got what uh, till Sunday before they got to make the next round of cuts. Yeah, and assign guys back down to the minors, or uh, you know, outright release them. Yeah, I, I like. It. So here's here's my issue. And Joel Booker did hit a home run today, which, you know, say what you will about that. Um, it's not really known for his uh, power, per se. Uh, but here's a question. Why do you not have Mike Rodolfo playing every single day? Ah, you know, that's what I was talking about when we were talking about this earlier in the conversation. Here's a guy who's an actual outfielder. He is not a first baseman trying to play the outfield. Why on earth is he not playing? And when he is, he's playing more B games than he is with the, you know, with the the big squad. When we're, you know, and we've been seeing a lot of it early this spring where you're looking at close to an opening day lineup. And, uh, you know, we still got two first basemen trying to, uh, you know, play right field or DH and in, in places that they probably shouldn't be doing it. And uh, here we go. Mike Rodolfo out of options, solid defender, cannon for an arm, hits the ball a long way. Now yeah, we're going to, we're going to, he's going to make the team where he's going to make the 28 man roster, but you're not going to see any of them until, until uh, the season starts or until somebody goes down. You know, I'd be, I will be surprised if he sees anything other than pinch hit at bats, really, you know, unless, unless Vaughn, if Vaughn does not come back for opening day, I wouldn't be surprised if we see sheets in right field and then Adolfo like getting a late inning, you know, pinch hit defensive replacement. Or something. Yeah, exactly. Which, yeah, uh, you know, no to sense. be honest with you, I'm thinking we're going to see if, if Vaughn is sitting, we're going to see a lot of Larry legend. <sighs> Playing right field because yeah. you know, we all know it's he's he's Tony's guy. What's up, Brutals? How you doing? Fins up says how bad are the guardi- how how bad are the Guardians going to be in the division? Ooh, 
Um, well, they'll have a little bit of pitching. Pitching's key for them. Yeah, that's like the one thing that they can do. Uh, but their lineup, there is not a lot there outside of Jose Ramirez. And uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty much uh, about it. Uh, what is that? Uh, uh, trying to trying to remember his name. The uh, the outfielder that I'm spacing on right now. Um, find it here. Give me un momento. Yeah, I no, they're going to be terrible. There's Yeah, I think so. There's just no offense there. Yeah, there's no offense. They've, they've got some they've got some decent pitchers and uh one of them they got from the White Sox last year for that bum Cesar Hernandez. Um yep. and I don't know 100% that he's going to make the opening day roster, but I will be actually I'll be pretty surprised if he doesn't because with how he looked last year, unless he comes out in spring training and I haven't looked at his numbers. And, uh, so, I mean, I technically don't know whether he's a hundred percent healthy, uh, because I haven't been keeping, uh, keeping count on my guy, but, um, what the heck is going on here? Do they not play anymore? Oh yeah. It's cause I'm looking for the Indians and they're the guardians now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. It's going to take some getting used to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I caught myself like a bunch of times, and uh, yeah, this was not one of them. Let's see. Zach Plesak gave up three earned runs in 3.2 innings pitch yesterday. Lost to Darvish. Mm. Yeah, they got that uh, the Karen check. Yeah. Looked like he was going to be somebody and kind of fizzled. They're saying that he was uh, not fully healthy and that uh, he should be better this year. Um, the thing with that was, you know, they say that he wasn't healthy, but the thing was is that his spin rates went down right when the whole sticky stuff thing happened. Yeah. So That's saying it's because he wasn't healthy, I don't know how much I buy that. Um, Are you calling him a cheater? I, I never said that. but yeah yeah absolutely uh to me it seems that that was uh that he certainly was getting some help from uh from something else you know i could be i could be wrong we'll see um sunscreen and sweat baby let's see pilkington uh 1.2 innings pitched four hits but zero runs and two strikeouts so yeah you know that one's gonna hurt if he turns out to be what I thought he was going to be, especially the fact that the White Sox grabbed him in For a nothing. position. Yeah, he. I mean, he fell down the board. He thought he was going to be gone, and I, you know, they could have taken him the round before he got taken. We got picked up in the third round. Could have been drafted in the second round, and uh, or is it was it just the third? No, yeah, it's around the third round. Pick yeah, third round. A lot, of, a lot of people expected him to go in the second round, right about the time the Sox were picking. Uh, Sox even thought about picking him in the second round, did not, and somehow he fell to them in the third round. Uh, you know, now does that make it easier for them to trade him to, to pick up a Caesar Hernandez? Maybe, but the fact that uh, the fact that the, you know you got him for a bargain in you know later round uh, t- 
to me makes it a little bit tougher because uh, there there is a chance that uh, you know he's he's a high upside kind of guy, and he's that he's that pitcher that the Sox seem to develop well, you know, in their uh, in the past you know two decades. Yeah, so uh, he's only pitched in that game uh, so far in spring training. So um, <laughs> well, I will tell you what one of my favorite things is, is that I'm looking at Connor Pilkington's uh, team page right now on the uh, the Guardians website. And the best thing is if you scroll down to news down on the bottom, the uh, the middle video says, Connor Pilkington excited to be with the White Sox. It's fantastic. <laughs> All right. <laughs> on the on the on the Guardians page. So that's that's pretty awesome. Um Yeah, no, I don't I don't see the uh I don't see the Guardians doing much of anything this year. I mean, might they possibly be a pain for the White Sox? Yeah, I mean it's possible, but yeah, I I I, I don't know. I can't take them seriously with their uh $40 million payroll or whatever it is. And, uh, yes. essentially not doing anything. I mean, they do have uh, a couple of top prospects that are, that are half, that are halfway decent. Um, and obviously they still have Jose Ramirez. So, you know, they did, they did not end up trading him to, uh, the blue Jays or whoever it was rumored that they were going to trade him to. So that's, that's actually somewhat of a relief. I'd rather see him, what like uh, eighteen games or eighteen times or nineteen times or whatever it is? I'd rather see him nineteen times than uh, if the if the White Sox managed to make the playoffs for the third year in a row. I would much rather see uh, a Blue Jays team without Jose Ramirez than a Blue Jays team with Jose Ramirez. That would be absolutely uh, not good. Absolutely, you keep the Sox killer in a team with a bad lineup. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Quick question. Uh, did you happen to see uh, that the Twins picked up Chris Archer today? I did not. Is th- is this a thing? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, it happened. Um, I don't have. Uh, I don't have anything. I don't have anything to bring up here on the on the uh, on the screen. But yeah, I did see on uh, MLB trade rumors that that is uh, something that did happen today. Hmm. Uh, let me bring that up. Twin signed Chris Archer three hours ago. Uh, $3.5 million guarantee consisting of a $2.75 million base salary and a $750,000 buyout on a $10 million mutual option for the 2023 season. Now, you know, we've had, uh, we've seen him have some injuries, uh, quite a bit over the last few seasons. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a reclamation show me deal. I get it. Yeah, and also, I mean, with the with the Pirates, he was uh, he was pretty terrible, and then when he went back to the Rays, he was halfway decent at least. Um, I don't really see this being a factor. I just wanted to bring it up because I saw saw it earlier. Um, well, it, it couldn't hurt a team that you know had some pitching struggles last year. Uh, you know, no, I don't think anybody expected the Twins to be as bad as they were. No, certainly and, not. And it was. 95% of that was pitching. So, you know, I can see them, uh, you know, I can see them being better than they were last year, but I still don't see them as a huge threat in the central, but stranger things have happened. Yeah. I'm not uh, entirely sold that they're going to be uh, even nearly as bad as they were last year. No, I, I agree. 
Uh, do I think they're a, a major threat to the White Sox? No. Can they be a thorn in the side of the White Sox? Absolutely. You know, yeah. we look at we look at the way the White Sox play in their division sometimes. You know, we look at the the Kansas City thing the last couple of years where the you know they're 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 in the, the, the neighborhood of the dregs of baseball and yet the White Sox seem to play down to their level of talent. So yeah, well, on the on the positive side of things is that they're getting better and bringing up more talent to the majors. So maybe because they're not as bad anymore, maybe now the White Sox will play them better. Yeah, you think they might actually you know, take them seriously? Yeah, I mean, if that was even part of the issue, which I I kind of doubt. <laughs> I think it's just you know, see, my, it's just my, one of those things. <laughs> yeah, see, my problem with this with the whole thing is that I don't necessarily expect. Uh, you know, I don't expect the White Sox to have a run like they did through the Central last year, this year. Like it's it's not going to be like that. But oh, no, Detroit's improved. Minnesota's improved. Royals uh, are improved. The Royals are somewhat improved. Uh, the Guardians, not so much. No, but uh, much worse. Yeah, there's gonna there's gonna be a little bit of competition. Uh, there are going to be probably a handful of games in the division that it would have went the White Sox way last year that are not going to go their way this year. So, yeah, well, you know, the, the White Sox were what like fifteen and four or something against Minnesota last year. Does that sound right? Uh, yeah, actually, it does. So, if you drop that back closer to five hundred, splitting, and uh, yeah. you you know what I'm saying, and like. The Royals, like, they're they're probably not going to beat the White Sox as much as they did last year. But you know, I no, just but don't. I mean, if you go from fifteen and four to five hundred against the Twins, you're looking at five or six less wins. Yep. But you know, ninety three win season could all of a sudden turn into you know an eighty six, eighty seven win season, eighty eight oh. win season. Yep, that's see that's that's where the problem comes in is because if you're coming in at 88 win season, is that you know? And chances are that's still good enough to win a division. But maybe. where does that put you in the playoffs? Yeah, oh, I said chances. Chances ch- are it's not. There's no guarantee. Chances are, yeah, yeah. There's no guarantee, but you know. And then where does that put you in the playoffs? So what kind of seating are you looking at? And, that's uh, yeah, exactly. That's not, it's not good now with the expanded playoffs, you know, it is not good. Uh, true sayer says good. The Sox need to be challenged more during the regular season. And my, what I would say about that is that last year with the amount of injuries that the white Sox had, the fact that they managed to win as many games as they did, I actually don't think that it had anything to do with them not being challenged that they didn't win in the playoffs. I think that the fact that they had so many injuries and hardly got any games together probably had something, you know, had something to do with that. But I also think that uh, Houston punching them in the mouth repeatedly had had something to do with that. <laughs> you know, I mean, if if you've got them. Uh, playing against uh you know somebody that's i mean houston went to the ales you know to the to the world series correct you know so it's not like they were bums they were a good team 
And they right. certainly, I mean, they they made the they made the White Sox look like a second class <coughs> franchise in that series. I mean, granted, yes, that that one game where the what you know where Larry Legend became when Larry Legend became the guy. Yeah, he was his legendary status was in question when he proved that Tony Larusa was right and that he is an everyday player who just happens to play a bunch of positions, not just a platoon player. If you say that, you are not a White Sox fan. Um, sorry, uh, calm down. A bit. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like. You watch him hit, you know, take to a step in on a ball that's, you know, 40 yeah, feet over. Yeah, exactly, head. until. Uh, well, I mean, that was technically the game before, but, you know. Uh, oh, I, I see. But You're talking about the Larry, yeah. You, you know what I'm saying, though. I mean, it was like you, you had the you had the one game where the offense showed up, but I mean, as we mentioned last week, the two games before that, you didn't get anything but a single every time. So, well, yeah, sixteen hits, all of them singles. Yes, and all of them in different the innings game. as well. Which uh, you know, not all of them, but I mean, they did not score runs like you know. The funny thing is, is that when you're not playing the Twins with a bad pitching staff or you're not playing, you know, the Tigers or you're not playing the Indians, runs are a lot harder to come by when you're playing in the playoffs. And the amount of singles and just the lack of power. I, I'm Now, I understand that Manichino says that, you know, they want to hit – they, they, you know, screw the home run. You know, I want to see a bunch of guys that hit 400. Fine. Yeah. The problem is ball games, you know, we get it. And yeah. they do. They do. Yeah. But I mean, the part of the issue comes is when the pitchers are good and aren't allowing you to get multiple, you know, they're not making multiple mistakes in an inning. Then and your pitchers have been taxed to the limit. <laughs> Which your, your supposedly stellar bullpen was uh, mismanaged the entire season. That is that is certainly going to be a question that is probably going to come up again this year. Um, I don't see Tony God, changing his way of doing things, and um, you know you got no Dave Duncan there anymore. Um, we'll see like how that relationship ends up between Tony and his staff because last year there you were there were questions. You, you do, but he's an analytics coordinator, and Correct. you know you're handing these numbers to Tony. Is Tony looking at the numbers? Is he looking at the right numbers? Is he you know is he is he translating it properly? You know, I mean, there's uh, tons of stuff that we'll never know. And yeah, I've been told numerous times uh, that uh, Tony LaRusso was uh, one of the uh, uh, pioneers of the analytic age uh, going back into, you know, the, the early to mid 90s and was using the Chicago based firm Stats Inc. to uh, build binders on top of binders for every team and player on that team and all this stuff. But uh, I have yet to see anything since he's been back with the White Sox in his second tenure here uh, that shows anything 
along those lines. Because uh, you know, I as uh, and and a lot of our listeners as uh, numbers guys, analytics freaks, uh, we have broken down these things numerous times, and he's done things to the contrary over and over and over again. So you know, maybe the change is coming this year. Maybe just you know, knocking the rust off after uh, putting a suit on instead of putting the uniform on for the last decade. I don't know. Uh, I can only keep my fingers crossed, but good Lord, how can you make the same mistake over and over again? You whip a horse in the bullpen for a week and a half, and then you sit him down, and he doesn't pitch again. We saw it with Liam Hendricks early in the season. Now, thank God Liam Hendricks got he got Liam straightened out, and uh, you know Liam ends up winning the uh, the uh, reliever of the year award. But you know, early on, we saw that where you know I don't care. If it's a safe situation or not, you can't leave the guy in the bullpen for nine days straight. You just can't. Yep. So here's a question. We've got one more year with the shift. Assuming that they don't decide to tweak the rule, which, you know, part of the whole uh, CBA was – one of the things that MLB kind of worked in there was that they were allowed to change rules. They just had to tell the Players Association ahead of time, which is kind of like just, yeah, you can do what you want, but just tell us first, you know? But um, so how much are we going to see of the shift this year? I'm guessing. White Sox? Yeah, I'm guessing probably not that much. Uh, Yeah, I'm guessing Bummer's going to. Pretty pissed off. <laughs> Just say that right now. Yeah. Does he know their numbers? I cannot neither uh, confirm nor deny that uh, Tony Larusa does actually know what numbers are at this point. <laughs> I cannot say. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, maybe we should, maybe we should try Roman numerals. Yeah. <laughs> See, you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, I should I should have known when I looked at his wrist and saw that he has sundial strapped to his wrist, but you know, what do I know? Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm just kind of guessing. I mean, it was like one of those things that people brought up at the end of the year and, you know, the, uh, the Rick Hahn, uh, kind of sidestep answer in the, uh, in the press conference was, well, you know, we get more outs per shift than anybody else in baseball. Well, yeah, that's because they're doing it on every, you know, like for every batter. So their percentage that they get outs, I mean, that's just kind of what it says to me. But, you know. um, Yeah. Yeah, but uh, one of the least shifting teams, and uh, there's only one more year left of – as we know it now, the shift. So I'm interested interested to see whether anything changes whatsoever uh, as far as that goes. I'm guessing not, but we'll see. Um, yeah, that's gonna one of those things we're going to have to do. It's going to be a wait-and-see kind of thing. We'll wait and see whether uh, Andrew Vaughn uh, will need a, a walker with tennis balls on it from now on. Um, or whether he'll be, uh, <laughs> or whether he'll be out there sprinting in right field and uh, still looking like yeah. he's got a piano strapped to his back. 
let's just hope he's not, you know, the second coming of, of Aloy in the uh, injury department, you know, diving after balls and games that don't count. Well, I mean, like, this is a thing is like, I don't blame him for no, what he game. does. Yeah. He, he wants to play well and he wants to improve as an outfielder. And that I can a hundred percent respect. However, as we've talked about, shouldn't be out there in the first place. And it doesn't count right now. It just doesn't. It doesn't count. And it does not count, count. so that certainly doesn't help either. Um, We'll see where that whole thing goes. Uh, We'll see how much time Miker gets, see how much time Basabe gets. Um, I've seen some people clamoring for Cespedes and Colas to, you know, come up this year. Let's not push uh, them, please. I am so tired of hearing that one. Every analytic-minded writer out there has said that these guys are at least a year and a half to two years away. Hey, uh, may I remind you that Andrew Vaughn only needed, you know, one year of minor league baseball before he was, uh, yeah, before an MLB he DH. Thirty-five. <laughs> yeah. Before so had, before he had five hundred or almost five hundred at bats, and you know, hey, he had fifteen dangers. So I'll give him that. But you know, five hundred at bats and uh, one hundred and one strikeouts, and uh, you know. Uh, 48 runs batted in in 500 yeah. bats. Yeah. No, yeah. Of 500 at bats. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm interested to see where the, uh, the roster goes and what kind of cuts are made and whether I, I have to assume that uh, they don't want to lose Miker for nothing. So I assume that he's probably going to end up getting at least some at bats. Even if they're garbage time, I have to imagine that he's at least going to get some at bats unless, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, all these people clamoring for him because you can't just let him get healthy after not being healthy and let him walk away for nothing. And get scooped up by somebody else for nothing. Yeah. And then you're just going to stash him on your bench and not do anything with him anyway. Yep. That see that's that's my that's my worry is that is that Tony's not going to pencil him in and you're going to see Sheets and Leori out there even if Vaughn's not able. Right. You know, even he'll, even you'll probably see some angle. You'll probably oh, and, see some and Larry Legend. Yeah. You know, and like you said, my girl will get a, you know, a pinch hit garbage time at bat maybe a, a late game defensive replacement, you know, uh, maybe he'll get the, uh, you know, since they uh, decided to reinstate the uh, runner on second in uh, extras this year, maybe you'll see him because he's got that cannon for an arm. Maybe you'll see him out there in right field in those situations. But uh, I don't know the way things are looking right now, uh, unless I see some kind of shift in the way, uh, spring training lineups are constructed here in the next week or two because we're we're less than two weeks away here. Uh, you know, I just don't see it either. I don't see him getting a whole lot of time. Tony's yeah. going to go with his guys that he's seen and been using, and that's pretty much it. That's the way it looks. So, Yeah, which is pretty much what he did with Vaughn to start off the season last year as well, right. is that Vaughn right. didn't get a whole lot of at-bats, and then all of a sudden he was getting a lot of at-bats, and uh, – 
Right. And everybody was clamoring for Vaughn at the beginning of the year, and he wasn't getting <laughs> as uh, as many at bats. And then all of a sudden, he was there every day. I'm not exactly sure what changed, but uh, I don't think you know. <laughs> heaven forbid you actually have a outfielder that is in the outfield um, instead of uh, a first baseman or a DH. Well, and that's the thing. I think, you know, the, the one thing we haven't really touched on in this whole Vaughn talk is I, a lot of it was done out of necessity, I believe. You know, uh, when you had... <laughs> because they didn't out, sign anybody. Well, this is true, but I'm just talking about, you know, as Aloy goes down in spring, towards the end of spring training as it is, uh, and but you had guys like Billy Hamilton and, uh, you know, Jake Lamb and you know, a handful of other guys that could play in the outfield. Goodwin. Right, Goodwin. And then Madrigal goes down. So you've got – now you've got to take Leary out of the outfield and put him in at second base. And, uh, you know, but then Goodwin, you know, has some hammy issues. And, uh, you know, these other guys kind of had some a string of of injuries. And now you're forced to play Andrew Vaughn. So that was the that was the thing last year. And yeah, I know that was as well. More, more, well, that's you know the reason that a lot of us were more willing to accept Andrew Vaughn playing in the positions that he was. You know, we weren't exactly happy about it, but we said, okay, you know, not going to go out and sign anybody. So here's what we get. Fine, and you know, he made some improvements, and we tried to make the excuse for him, like you know, never done it. He is improving. It's just not ideal. But when these guys get back healthy, hopefully, you know, we'll see a little bit different. Uh, philosophy that didn't happen when guys came back healthy. And, uh, you know, now this year you do have some guys, people are healthy and yet the whole world is ready to just pencil Andrew Vaughn right back in. There's no necessity this year. The necessity came last year. There's no necessity this year yet. He's the guy. He's the guy. He's the guy. (laughs) I don't get it, man. I don't. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, Rudel's just a just a hip pointer, which is a, a bruised bruised hip, and uh, he'll be back in a couple weeks, supposedly. Um, I would assume that that's probably reality. Is it'll be a couple of weeks to a month? Yeah, and uh, then he'll be back. Um, yeah, so we are butting up against a two hour mark. I think it's a good time to call it for the evening. Um, This is White Sox Daily Live. For everybody that's been in here for the chat and hanging out, listening, we appreciate it. Um, It's very much appreciated that you guys come in here and uh, follow and hang out and and, uh, give us us, uh, at least smart aleck comments in the chat, which makes things, uh, lightens things up a little bit from all of our uh, doom and gloom uh, known as the... uh, the most, duo. The, the, <laughs> the most sour, salty combo here on uh, White Sox, uh, White Sox Twitch. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks for the thanks for the follow fins up. Appreciate it. And uh, every Monday night at nine o'clock Central Time, we hop on here and talk about White Sox. And uh, we appreciate you guys coming in here. You can find us at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Uh, you can find us at whitesoxdaily.substack.com. We're still working on getting that uh, that whole link thing 
established. But uh, if you go into our Twitter profile, you can find uh, find the website on there where you can find all sorts of content articles, uh, some really good uh, feature articles from uh, Dan Victor, who's uh, written some written some stuff for uh, yeah, righted. Uh, he's written some right. stuff for us about a bunch of the. Uh, pitching prospects that are coming up through the uh, minor leagues, uh, Gil Luna Jr., which actually I wonder how Gil Luna Jr. is doing because I have not seen him throw in uh, Arizona recently. And uh, when he came out, he had uh, two outings in the first, I think in the first week, and he was great both times and uh, haven't seen him since. So that's kind of weird. But uh, uh, he also wrote on uh, Sean Burke and Lane Ramsey and uh, – yeah, there's been some good stuff out there. So uh, go ahead and hop over to the website, uh, check that stuff out. Um, my name is Ian Eskridge. Uh, the other guy on the screen uh, is the Danny Miller. He is my co-host. Thanks for coming and listening. And uh, this has been White Sox Daily Live. We will be back next Monday at 9 p.m. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great night. <laughs>